Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Giles Milton, host of the Unknown History podcast, and you're listening to a special mini-series from historian Jack Kelly, author of Edge of Anarchy, on railroad barons, the Gilded Age, and the greatest labour uprising in America. Hi, I'm Jack Kelly, and this is part two of the labour special, Industrialization. We like to imagine that we live in the most innovative era in history. After all, we've experienced the digital revolution. We've seen the power of computers grow at warp speed. We can't get enough of smartphones and robotics and online everything. But it was our great-grandparents who really lived through the most astounding period of technological change in human history. It was known as the Industrial Revolution. It got off the ground in the early 1800s when water power was harnessed to run machinery in the textile mills. The next step was steam power, which revolutionized both industry and transportation. By the end of the century, electricity was bringing changes that had never been dreamed of. One of the biggest transformations of the era was the shift in population from farms and rural areas to cities. Cities had been centers of commerce now they became the home to vast manufacturing enterprises and to the exploding population of workers needed to man them. America became an urban society. Industrialization transformed the production of goods. Machines performed tasks rapidly, precisely, and without rest. Advances in automation and metalworking enhanced productivity. One of the effects was to create what we call the consumer culture. Things people used to make at home or buy from craftsmen were suddenly available cheaply because of mass production. No more homespun cloth or homemade soap. Now there were record players, typewriters, Kodak cameras, and machine-made furniture. The Sears Roebuck catalog became the Amazon of its day. Transportation changed utterly. First the steamboat, then the locomotive. Electric streetcars meant that folks could suddenly commute to work. That gave birth to the first suburban sprawl. Communication was transformed. It's hard to appreciate the difference that the telegraph made, but it was the first real way to communicate at a distance. The stock ticker, you've probably heard about ticker tape parades, was a telegraphic device that consolidated the national financial markets. The telephone took it to a whole new level. All of these changes brought immense improvements to people's lives. Manufacturing output in the United States in the early 1900s was more than 20 times what it had been before the Civil War. In 1850, only 15% of Americans lived in cities. By the end of the century, almost half did. There were, of course, drawbacks. Because coal provided much of the power for homes and factories, pollution became a deadly problem. 
And although factories gave us cheaper goods, they required a kind of regimentation and repetitive work that people weren't used to. One element of industrial cruelty was the widespread use of child labor. Children as young as six or seven were put to work in mills, factories, and sweatshops. In Chicago during the 1880s, social workers organized a Christmas party for poor immigrant children. The boys and girls would not touch the candy that was offered to them. The reason, they explained, was that they worked in a candy factory. Six days a week, they started work at seven in the morning and finished at nine at night with only a half hour break for lunch. They were sick of candy. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There were other dark corners of industrialization. Workers were forced to live in urban tenements. Some had to take in borders to meet the rent. The crowded rooms destroyed family privacy and were unhealthy. There was no indoor plumbing. Residents of an entire apartment building had to use a few privies in the alley and get water from a single pump or faucet. Corporations, which had become the dominant form of enterprise, were efficient at organizing capital, but they were also impersonal, autocratic, and in the end, inhumane. During this era, corporate power burst beyond the control of government. Chicago reformer Henry Demarest Lloyd summed up the problem. Corporations are grown greater than the state, he wrote. The naked issue of our time is with property becoming master instead of servant. In America, the effects of industrialization challenged democracy itself. The American experiment had begun in a country that was overwhelmingly agricultural and offered endless cheap land. Abraham Lincoln in the 1850s still believed in an economy where a penniless beginner worked for wages, saved a surplus to buy tools or land, started his own business or farm, worked for himself for a while, then hired another new beginner. But by the post-Civil War era, this early version of the American dream was pure nostalgia. By the 1890s, industrial employees had few options. They earned less than $10 a week, barely enough to survive. They had little hope of accumulating a surplus or starting a business. America had been founded on the idea of independence, not just independence from Britain, but the independence of citizens who were their own masters. The discipline demanded by the industrial system graded on American sensibilities. As one observer said, liberty produces wealth, and wealth destroys liberty. 
reformers in America were alarmed that the chattel slavery of the cotton fields was being replaced by the wage slavery of factories. The word boss came in during this period because master was associated with the whip. But the boss was the master, and when he said jump, employees had to jump. There was no discussion, no vote. If you didn't like it, you were free to quit. But with a family to support, that freedom was an illusion. Democracy and independence only applied to the hours when a person was not at work. On the job, dictatorship and dependence were the rule. Walt Whitman, America's preeminent poet of the time, thought that exceptional wealth was a sort of anti-democratic disease. And it was true that democracy was being strained by the growing inequality of both wealth and income. The rich increasingly lived in secluded, clean suburbs, sent their children to private schools, and answered to nobody. They saw themselves as a class of people, superior to those who toiled for a living. Class was an alien concept in America, one that seemed to conflict with the nation's ideals. But industrialization did create a working class, and before the century was over, working people would vividly express their repugnance at having to give up their independence, their freedom of action, and their dignity. You've been listening to guest historian Jack Kelly. I'm your host, Giles Milton. Tune in to the Unknown History podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or at quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks for listening. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.